0: Yeah, it's important to, you know, find what the students need and what they would engage with and try to think outside of the box and let their voices be heard too.
1: This is Josh.
2: And this is Nicole. And you're listening to the Oregon Transition Podcast.
1: Brought to you by the TTAN, the Transition Technical Assistance Network and professionals across the state.
2: We've got you covered from Portland to Ontario, from Hood River to Klamath Falls, from Seaside to Burns and everywhere in between. Hey Josh. Hi Nicole. How's it going?
1: You know it is lonely standing in my closet recording this podcast.
2: Yeah I was just thinking about how much
1: I miss interacting with people. You know what I mean? Let's go in the time machine and take you back to about two months ago. So this is, this is Josh, I'm here on the Oregon Transition Podcast, and we're at the 4J Bethel Information Night. And do you want to introduce yourself? Oh,
0: my name is Mandy Jensen, I'm a
3: personal agent at Full Access Brokerage. Natasha DeSantis, personal agent at Full Access.
1: And so you're talking people, that students, families about services at Full Access, how's it going tonight? It's
0: going great. Yeah, we've talked to several parents and some of the um, actual students, which is really nice.
1: Fantastic. Even out
3: stickers left and right for the passports. Yeah. Alright, that's right.
1: I, I need to get back on my job. <laughs> I think i have given out one.
2: Oh, Josh. Was that our last in-person event? Oh, remember when we used to shake hands and say hello to people like that were closer than six feet together?
1: That was. That clip was from the Eugene 4 j Bethel transition event that happened only a few days before the governor's stay-at-home order. We had a great turnout of providers and families to learn about services.
2: So what do you people do now? How do they learn about those things? How are students getting those connections and those services that they need to continue to move along their path towards post-secondary opportunities.
1: This is what this episode is going to be about today, Nicole, is how students and, and services are still happening virtually. And there has been a ton of success that has been happening over these last few weeks that we've been working from home. Let's hear from some teachers regarding how they're providing services virtually.
0: We've had 19 of 22 students participating on a regular basis uh, daily for a social hour on Zoom. We're going to implement a VOC um, employment prep class this week, starting tomorrow, Tuesdays and Thursdays. I, I'd say that we found that
3: some of our more technology savvy students or students who were accessing
0: connections just for a little bit for maybe an advocate or for smaller bits who are more able to go out and get their own jobs. We've actually had a little bit more contact with them in this format. So that's been a surprise. So even when this is over, I think we're still going to have some sort of virtual connection or presence so that they don't have to travel so far and it's more convenient for them.
2: Just last week, I the district allowed me to start using my assistance. And so We spent all of last week with uh, training. I was training them to use Remind and Google Classroom in small group format with me overseeing each of their small groups. So we did six groups with six different transition topics. And this is the first week we're launching that. And they've done a a pretty darn good job of trying to learn it and get students engaged.
3: Now, several of my smaller sites are coordinating um, transition classrooms, They are working on some summer programs and with the budget not ending June 30th, and we're able to stretch that out a little bit, use that money, do incentives. Uh, It's just great updates from the rural communities that they're able to actually access our students now. So I'm real proud about that.
1: It sounds like teachers are really doing a phenomenal job reaching out to students and connecting with students. And what's really amazing is they're doing transition work. They're prepping students for future employment. They're helping students reach their goals. And students want it. Students are attending. You heard that they are finding that sometimes that attendance is better online. And in the future, there will be an online component.
2: I'm... I'm really impressed with how creative people are being during this time and how all of these outside-the-box thinking and all this outside-the-box teaching is really coming to a place to support these students for engagement. You know, one question that I've had a lot recently is, is my student is, is a junior, my student is a senior, and they're looking towards employment. What can we do over the summer? now that a lot of these summer possibilities are, are closed. Are, are they thinking outside the box? What, are, what is the summer going to
1: look like for students this year?
0: Yes, my name is Lisa Catherwood. I am the statewide YCP coordinator.
1: You might remember Lisa Catherwood from season one, episode two, where Nicole, you and I talked about summer work experiences. During that episode, Lisa did an amazing job talking about SWIFT.
0: SWIFT is a summer work internship for transition. It's a seven-week program that the students live at Portland State University in the dorms and they do work experiences.
2: And what kind of work do they do?
0: We try to match whatever work they're doing with their interests. So we've had students that have worked in the city of Beaverton doing office work. We've had students at vet clinics. We've had them at a place called Breaking Cycles that does work on bicycles and how to repair bicycles as well as doing barista work.
2: Obviously, there have been a lot of changes for for SWIFT this year, but they haven't closed down. Students that were accepted into the SWIFT program
1: are still going to be able to gain some fundamentals. So let's hear from Lisa about the changes for summer 2020.
0: There is no work experience component and they are not doing the independent living skills like we do when they're away from home, but they will learn some of the skills that you would need if you were away from home. So I had a meeting with the students that were um, accepted for SWIFT this summer, um, just to talk to them about what their needs and wants were for this summer, knowing that the in-person SWIFT could not happen. And they were actually, a lot of them, were very excited to do some virtual um, ideas well, I asked them what they wanted to do, what they'd be invested in participating in since it is their summer. And we're, we're doing things like some nonverbal communication, learning how to do budgets, how to live with a roommate, maybe a cooking class here or there, having some speakers in the positions that they're interested in, come and talk to them, and then do some social, age-appropriate social interactions with the individuals as well. And the I also asked the students what their idea was if they wanted to do it for seven weeks or just a few weeks or and how often they wanted to do it and they decided that they want to do twice a week for seven weeks and we have it all pretty much lined out of what's going to happen.
2: It sounds like she's really been able to cultivate a person-centered plan for how this summer is going to work for each individual student by having those virtual speakers by still exploring interests by gaining independent living
1: skills lisa reached out to the students and said what do you want this to look like and the students want it the students want services the students want to make progress towards their goal even though we're all doing it from home
2: SWIFT is still going to be a phenomenal program this summer. It just might look a little different. Is that the same as it's been for other programs across the state?
3: I am CJ Webb, and I am the uh, Pre-Employment Transition Services Program Coordinator for Vocational Rehabilitation. For the RFA 4708, um, and for a couple other things, I am the contract contract manager is what you call it. What I do is I oversee the contracts for um, the summer work program.
1: That was friend of the pod, CJ Webb. And you might remember her talking about the RFA also on season one, episode two, Summer Work, where she explained RFA 4708 like this.
3: It is an application to say either a provider or a school district to say, we wanna provide summer work to students in our area they are getting jobs in the community and paid at least a wage.
2: So that was how it worked, but now things have changed a little. They're having to do things a little differently and make some restrictions around people that they're allowing to have applications this year.
1: Let's hear from CJ about what these changes look like.
3: We did have high hopes for the, the summer work program, but um, obviously changed the Times have changed and we had to really look at um, kind of the safety for students and the community. And what we've done is for the current contracts that are in place that were continued from uh, previous years, um, we uh, had to put a, a pause basically on the work experience piece of those contracts. Um, so no in-person or no virtual work experiences, and those contractors, even though the contracts are really for work experience, we do know that it's beneficial for students to be receiving pre ads because we know that that leads to successful employment.
1: So Nicole, if I understand this right, there will be no in-person work experiences, so students will unfortunately not have the opportunity to earn minimum wage for work, but. There could be an opportunity to earn preets. That's right, Josh.
2: The businesses and organizations that have previously applied for and been accepted by the RFA grant now have the opportunity to provide virtual preets when it's applicable for their cause. This isn't the case for every single applicant, but for some of them that have chosen to go this way, they found some creative solutions.
3: So they've decided on a variety of different things to kind of keep students interested. So they're going to be doing different online things through Zoom, FaceTime, other Google platforms. And um, they're going to be trying to do some different live sessions as well as um, record some so that students that weren't able to attend can watch it later. And then they'll kind of be a way to um, kind of test that they actually did watch it. They're also going to do some uh, different assessments so they kind of are self-paced, and then go over those results with students so they can build that portfolio where they want to go in their career. And a couple other ones are also doing some, they're going to do some cool things of different projects. So taking information learning with pre and then what do you want to do next with that information?
2: So while the focus this year is obviously on virtual pre that doesn't mean it's going to be the focus of the RFA forever. In fact, they're already taking applications For not this summer, but next summer.
3: So we'll take an application right now, but it won't be for this summer because it is really based on work experience and the current contracts, they have their known entities and they... um, have provided good service so we wanted to give them that option and if those the students they were going to be working with this summer wanted that um so it is a great time to get in applications because we can really then have some time to talk about it and hopefully by next summer we are going to be back to a little bit more typical if not typical
1: even though in-person work experiences are not available for the summer of 2020 they are available for the summer of 2021. And what's really nice is that you have the option now to dream big. Fill out the application for the RFA 4708 now, and you have plenty of time to design an amazing program for the summer of 2021. That's right, Josh.
2: Big dreams take lots of pre-planning. And why not start now? Visit the Orpin website to find out more information about the RFA.
3: Orpin, O-R-P-I-N, dot Oregon. G-O-V. And if you need to get a hold of me, my email, even though my name is CJ, my email is C-A-R-O-L-Y-N dot W-E-B-B at dot state dot O-R dot U-S.
2: So, hopefully, that answers some of your summer questions, even though it might not be the answer you wanted to hear. There are so many programs that are affected by this change in the RFA, including one of my favorites, Camp Lead, which will not be hosting in-person sessions this summer. But they plan on releasing some materials that can keep that lead momentum going in students. A lot of things are changing right now, Josh.
1: Yeah, we've been talking about summer work programs. Let's talk again about programs that are happening right now.
0: We are in about 136 school districts,
1: and so that's a little over 200 schools. That's friend of the pod, Lisa Catherwood, again. She has put on her other hat as statewide YTP coordinator, and she's speaking about the number of YTP programs there are across the state.
2: In our conversation with Lisa Catherwood, we asked her, what were YTP specialists doing before the pandemic? And then we asked her what they're doing now. Let's look at the before.
0: The transition specialist job is is a big hefty one actually. Um, they have quite a few things. I'll just kind of summarize some of the stuff. They uh, provide documentation. They're providing the pre-ETS or the pre-employment transition services to the students that are in their schools. They get to know the students and they identify which students would be good for screening and referring, referring to vocational rehab. They gather up all of the documentation, disability documentation, any of that stuff that they can take to vocational rehab as well that can help the vocational rehab counselor do their job, like their eligibility and plan development. They also have to coordinate with vocational rehab about different disability assessments that they might need. You know, the actual, the biggest part of their job, we say probably about 75 percent of their job, is doing job development and helping those students find that job and then keeping up with them um, for a year after they have exited YTP.
1: The youth transition program specialists play a very important role by partnering with vocational rehabilitation and following their school district's directive.
2: They are really the conduit between the work life and the school life that students are experiencing. They're helping them get connected with services. They're finding them jobs in community. They're keeping them involved with different community activities and teaching them independent living skills along with pre They're really invaluable resources.
1: And before the stay-of-home order, much of their services took place face-to-face. Let's hear from Lisa about what their role looks like now.
0: Um, I don't know that their role has really changed. It's just um, we're changing the way that we're doing things, right? So the the expectation is that they're still working. They're still meeting with their students, contacting them, seeing how they can help. They can be doing pre-employment transition services virtually with the students also you know important for the transition specialist to be continuing to connect with their employers whatever that might look like for each different employer to to keep building those employee employer relationships
1: so lisa said that ytp specialists could be meeting with students to deliver pre-ets nicole how what pre-ets could they be delivering now
2: Josh, this is kind of the the heyday for virtual preets. you you see that being the focus in the summer programs. you see that being the focus in um, a lot of the school classrooms that we've talked to. You see that happening at YTP. That's because preets are really beneficial for for student growth and in, in the everyday. That it's all leading up to to the future, which is what so many people are focused on now, since there's not a lot that can be done given the current employment situation across our nation. So pre eds can look very different depending on what the student needs. It could be learning more about what they want to do. It could be doing job exploration. It could be working on their self-advocacy skills, talking about what their needs are. It could be... Exploring post-secondary. It could be deciding if they want to go to college or if they want to go straight into work and what those different options might look like. Practicing mock interviews, learning more about businesses online via virtual job shadows or virtual interviews with different employers. It, it could look like a lot of different things. And that is what is so great about this time right now, that all of these different opportunities that are so unique are, are coming up.
1: Yes, I completely agree. There is a lot of pre-ETS that can be delivered virtually that would be very helpful when we get to meet in person. So the other part of a YTP specialist is supporting students on the job. So I asked Lisa, were there a lot of students who received services through YTP laid off or furloughed from their jobs?
0: There have been. Um, some that have been but there's also a whole bunch of students that have gotten jobs that retail um, employment right now is is pretty big so there's there's students that have gotten jobs at different places like um, fast food restaurants taco bell those kind of things and then the grocery stores Um, some students wanted like part-time work and are being offered full-time work currently because of you know the the situation that's going on and then the other one um, field that's really popping up right now as wildland firefighting is looking for a lot of people.
1: Sounds like if a student wants to work right now, there's opportunities available. There's essential businesses, there's grocery stores. We're anticipating w- that there's going to be a need for wildland fire- firefighters. The opportunity there and students could take advantage.
2: They can, they can take advantage and they can use their own self-advocacy to figure out if working right now is, is what they want to do given the current situation and whether it's appropriate for their family. I think it's always great to know that you have that opportunity and it's very important for students to assess their own availability and their own safety precautions and taking those steps as well.
1: And if they choose that they do not want to pursue work now, they can get some pre
2: Exactly. And VR is now and always will be available for them to access. One great thing about YTP is that it has been around for a long time and there is no sign that that is going to be stopping. Let's hear from somebody who has been really impacted by the life-changing services that YTP has offered.
4: I, I'm an adaptive recreation instructor where I plan an implement program for people with, um, with disabilities and we serve people with developmental disabilities and
1: That's Joe Basie and Joe is an adaptive recreation instructor with the city of Eugene. Joe graduated from North Eugene High School in 1996 where he participated in YTP.
4: The YTP program was such a good foundation because it helped me learn how to interview and how to set up a resume and all that stuff and it was really like a virtual integral part like. It's a really integral part of, like, how I got to this place I am today.
2: It seems like Joe has had, has some really fond memories of YTP and that it's propelled him throughout his career. We know how YTP helps now. Were they doing that
1: same thing back then? Let's hear Joe's memories on how his YTP specialists helped him.
4: He helped me find my first job at, block, at Blockbuster on Riverhead. And so that was my first, quote, unquote real job because before that all i did was babysitting and stuff blackbuster was crazy back then <laughs> But jampack and it was like so busy and stuff and so i kind of felt my niche and stuff like that and so so that was the beginning of a great trajectory like so those skills the skills i learned through through my time at blackbuster which getting into my job with um Lcc and stuff so i So it kind of of like a domino effect, really.
1: I think you just described, like, in my mind, the way things should work with jobs, right? Because, I mean, first, just knowing you and knowing how extroverted you are and how much you like talking and being around people. Yeah. Just being in Blockbuster in a crowded work environment, you probably thrived in. Yeah, totally. For me, back in 96 or whatever... I would have been walking circles in Blockbuster trying to find a movie, and it would have been <laughs> yeah, so helpful to find someone like you that would say, "Hey, Josh,
4: you should watch this." Yeah, totally. And it helped me, like, and like my. Do you have a helped to help me be better about time management and prioritizing, and it's just kind of like with the foundations. My other jobs. Can we just take a
2: minute to appreciate the impact of Blockbuster on this young man's life, like? I thought Blockbuster was influential to me as a teen, like, because, you know, I could go in and rent PG-13 movies on my own and then, like, learned all about how to deal with late fees and actively avoiding them. But this man's life was changed by Blockbuster, and it kind of makes me, you know, miss it just a little bit,
1: Josh. It has taught me to always be kind and rewind So Blockbuster played a big part in in all of our lives. And I really appreciate the the fact that his YTP specialist helped him get his first paid job at Blockbuster. He learned customer service skills. He learned time management. He learned how to prioritize. He learned this foundation of skills that helped carry him to his next job. He got his next job at LCC on his own based on the skills he learned at Blockbuster and from his YTP specialist. Joe is a phenomenal advocate for people who experience disability. I asked him how he is supporting the individuals that he works with during the stay-at-home order.
4: It's important for us to as staff to reach out to them and make contact with them and know that and make sure they know that we're caring about them and this is not a forever thing, you know what I mean?
2: Joe is proof that YTP does work and continues to work We're excited to see what changes YTP is making during the stay at home order and we're looking forward to seeing how many students will be beneficially impacted.
1: Hey Nicole, do you remember how we opened the show with audio from the Eugene 4J and Bethel Transition Information Night? We are about to bring this episode full circle. Our last story is going to share a pretty creative plan for connecting students and their families to providers
5: that where we are best when we have to struggle a little bit it makes us it forces us to be creative a little more
2: so that's kelly mcallister the transition teacher at the brick house in lebanon and she's a very creative teacher who has had some great ideas during the stay-at-home order
1: in a quote-unquote normal year kelly would have her annual transition information event during the spring she wasn't able to do that this year
5: So I typically would be planning my uh, family night. I probably would have already had it by now had this all not come about. I started thinking, well, maybe we could do something virtual and get everyone to have a virtual meeting. Why not record these and do them in the modality that we are working in anyway and make this come to each home Um, at their convenience and they can go through and listen to all of the information that our service providers have for them.
2: What a great idea, Josh, to make this all virtual for families to, to explore each provider at their leisure. How are people reacting to this?
1: We have a monthly Employment First meeting in Linn County. In April and May, since we couldn't physically get together, we did it over Zoom and Kelly pitched this idea to Link County Developmental Disabilities, vocational rehabilitation, job developers, the other school programs they attended. Loved it. Everybody was all in.
5: Was they light lit up. It was fabulous.
1: You were at that meeting, Josh. How is this going to work? Well, that's a good question, Nicole. We're we're discussing the logistics right now. I mean, one idea is to do a live chat. Kelly has some other brilliant ideas
5: we can do a live chat we are going to try and make it we want to be able to upload the videos into the google classroom we want to be able to have students where they can answer questions so kind of a comprehension activity related to the videos so you know what it's kind of also a little scavenger hunt where what did so and so from vr say about this so they will have needed to watch the the videos to be able to learn that piece of information. and
2: A transition fair virtually. That's a pretty amazing idea that really speaks to how creative we're being and how it can influence the accessibility. It doesn't always have to be in person and sometimes that's a hard thing to accomplish. Who knows what we'll come up with next?
1: What I learned from this episode is in spite of these difficult shifts and changes, We are all doing an amazing job of adapting and helping individuals reach their goals.
2: And our goal this week was to finish a podcast episode. And you know what, Josh, we did it.
1: That's right. And it feels good. Peace out pod people.
2: And be well.
1: The Oregon Transition Podcast is brought to you by the TTAN, the Transition Technical Assistance Network with support from Vocational Rehabilitation and Oregon Department of Education.
2: All views and opinions expressed on this podcast belong to the individuals, not necessarily their supporting agency.
1: The Oregon Transition Podcast is produced by
2: Nicole Perdue,
1: Josh Barber,
2: Tony DePeel, and the podfather himself,
1: Lon Thornburg.
2: With additional interviews provided by members of the TAN.
1: Our theme music is composed by former transition student Boone Richter out of Brownsville, Oregon.
2: Additional music provided by Lon Thornburg.
1: For questions, comments, or episode ideas, please email us at Oregon Transition Podcast at gmail.com.
2: And for all the latest OTP news, connect with us on Facebook.
1: And, you
0: are editing this, right?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. I I <laughs> I I am I am very meticulous. I take out like all um. Nicole, Nicole, okay, good. <laughs> Nicole thinks I go over the top.